Welcome everyone to Flyover Footy. My name is Matt Baker, and we're bringing you a special edition of Flyover Footy. As you know, we have the absolute fortune of our podcast airing on the Big 550 KTRS here in St. Louis as their pregame for St. Louis City SC matches. This week, we partnered with them on Brendan Weezy's Tuesday Night Soccer in the Loo show for a season so far recap. As City has entered their League's Cup break from MLS action, Phil Grooms and myself joined Brendan in studio to look back at how City has lived up to those initial expectations, some highlights, some surprises of the season so far, and plenty more. So what we have on this episode is the full soccer in the loo. So sit back and enjoy as Phil, myself, and Brendan chat about our first place City SC and some of our favorite moments from the first half of our inaugural season. This, this is Soccer in the Loo with Brendan Weesey and Matt Baker. Brought to you by Royal Banks of Missouri and the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern. Exclusively on the Soccer Boys in St. Louis, the Big 550 KTRS. Soccer in the Lou on a Tuesday night, the Big 550 KTRS as we are into the All-Star slash Leagues Cup break for MLS. That doesn't mean there isn't soccer being played. Uh, in fact, the All-Star Skills Competition going on tonight, the All-Star Game itself tomorrow, and then we're into the League's Cup with a very attractive and intriguing matchup with the Columbus Crew Sunday on the road as this League's Cup journey will begin for St. Louis City SC. I'm excited tonight to have our two hosts from the Flyover Footy Podcast that you get to hear right here on the Big 550 KTRS each and every match day on the weekend. And in, in, in fact, this weekend, of course, with the Sunday matchup, you're going to get to hear it Sunday after Sports Sunday, 12 o'clock. They're going to get you ready for that matchup with the Columbus crew. And I'm talking about Matt Baker, Phil Grooms. They're with me in studio right now. Fellas, thanks for making the trip. Excited to have you here. Excited to talk. We're, we're, we're all gathered here for a little roundtable to talk about the first half of the season and how remarkable it's uh, truly been. Guys, thanks for making the time. How are we doing? Great. Love roundtables. This is exciting for me to talk to you guys about it, especially. Excited to be here in person. Excited to talk city. It's a it's the break we've all been looking forward to, so it's just a fun time. Yeah, excited. Uh, excited to just kind of relive what this first half has been like. And guys, I thought we'd kind of start with revisiting our preseason expectations, predictions, however you want to lay it out. And, of course, obviously, most of the MLS pundits had ML had had City finishing at the very bottom of the table, maybe worst record in the MLS. I don't think we have to worry about that becoming a reality here moving forward. But guys, just thinking back, what were and it's kind of hard now because it feels like that's not even a, a prior reality because this thing is so drastically turned in the right direction. But thinking back, what were your initial thoughts on how this thing might play out uh, in the first half. I think we all saw those articles, right? And I think we were, at, you know, of course, positive about how our team was going to look. They got the early start. City 2 looked very, very good in MLS, MLS Next Pro. Yeah. And so I think we were all really excited. But then these articles came out, came out saying we'd get three, four points in the whole season, something like that. So, you know, that was really hard to see. And it started making me especially temper my expectations. I tend to be scared to be too positive about things like that. And so I think I was just looking at the season like hoping mid-table at best and boy am I excited that I was wrong my goodness how good it's looked 
I'm looking at some athletic previews from uh, preseason just to do a little reminiscing, right? Because we had our thoughts. You know, we we watched City 2. We watched the Academy. We watched this organization grow. And so we had a different perspective on what this this club and organization was capable of. But um, our friends Pablo Maurer, Felipe Cardenas with The Athletic, I'm going to use a couple quotes here. There's no way St. Louis City manages anything other than a bottom three finish with what amounts to an MLS Next Pro roster from Mr. Pablo Maurer. Felipe Cardenas had a uh, had the familiar now. I'm picking St. Louis to have a three to four win season in year one. So that's where the national media is coming into this, where they see the the organization being built on uh, a less than top tier spending. We're not Atlanta United. We're not LAFC. We're not going to splash cash. Being very particular with how we build this roster, bringing guys in on free transfers, next pro shots, and all that comes together in the first five matches, first two three matches, and it's suddenly a glass-shattering moment for the national media. And our dreams are being realized of what we saw as what was possible from this organization. Yeah, it's, I, I don't think, in in looking back to, just, you know, looking back to the Austin match, you know, just starting there and watching how that all unfolded, and I was kind of thinking, and I don't know if it was on the, the same lines as you guys here, like, well, maybe... Maybe Austin's just not as good as we thought, and, and they're, they, they're probably not. Uh, I don't think they're nearly as good as we thought at the time. Like, wow, here's here's a really good team from last year. St. Louis goes down there and beats them handily. But I think it gave us a pretty good indicator of what these guys were capable of in the big moment. And we've talked a little bit about this, Matt. I'm sure you, you guys have talked about it as well. There's a lot of, you know, I think seminal moments in the season, the home opener, another one, the sporting KC match, the Cincinnati match, Mm -hmm. um, all of these where it felt really pivotal and like a really big deal. And in those matches, city rises to the occasion that match against Austin, I think was our first indicator of what they were capable of in those moments. Yeah, and Austin was a really interesting one. I, I had the luxury of being there. You and were it, there. It yeah. was a very, it was very much a "we're just happy to be here" moment. Talking to the Austin fans, they were, they're, we're happy to have you in the league. You guys are a great traveling fan base. This is incredible to have so many people here. They're in awe of the fans and the support, but they're, they're nice. It's the niceties, right? Everybody expects them to steamroll us, and so they're being nice. And then. <laughs> All of a sudden, the league is introduced to Joao Klaus. Mm. They're introduced to a Jared Stroud when he's not on a team that doesn't utilize his skills properly. And and all of it comes together with Roman Berkey and Net to create this, this moment where St. Louis makes an appearance to the defending Western Conference finalists. This was an Austin team who's coming off of a magnificent second season, expected to do great things. They're back in the playoff picture now. They've, they've rebounded from where they were mid-season or earlier in the season. And... Just that first game was, it was, it was it was part. Is this team for real? And part, yeah, we told you so. Coming from St. Louis, yeah, and it was it was a strange game too, though. And so, I, you know, my I was still extremely cautious at this point. It wasn't <laughs> I wasn't sold at this point. I thought it was a very strange game in a lot of ways. And then you start getting the rumors about well, they're a pressing team. They do better at the beginning. They're going to fall off a cliff after another game or two. And um, I think that's we saw that that wasn't the case. And while City has had challenges throughout the season, 
they always rise above. And maybe it takes a couple games, but it's just like this staff has been able to hone this team over and over and over into becoming a winning team. And, and, and there's so much. I'm sure we'll be going into that throughout the episode. But my goodness, I mean, I, they've stepped up over and over. And that's the thing that keeps me having the faith over and over again as well. And, and the depth, Brendan, honestly, showed itself from day one. You're having Tim Parker score a goal from Edu Leuven. You're having Jared Stroud score a goal and a high-press turnover. Joao Klaus gets himself a goal. Like, we're not talking about a single singular player like a Sebastian Driussi able to drive everything. You're talking about winning set pieces. You're seeing the breadcrumbs being laid of everything that was, was to come from a lot of the key players that we've come to know and love. I asked Bill McDermott about this on Sunday. Matt, would, would there be concern after this past match? Score three goals, all three unset pieces and the more I thought about it it's well you know here's a team that creates so much off of their press creates so much off of uh, the chaos that they're going to implement throughout the match the fact that these guys have been so good on the set pieces uh, that that would have been a concern in, at the start of the year for me in retrospect it's like okay these guys can can create some madness but what uh, how good can they be when you have to draw something up on a dead ball? Where are they going to be at? And they've been as good as any. What did, did, Do they lead by four or five goals on set-piece goals in the league? They're, they're the best team when it yeah. comes to set-pieces. They're up to 16 goals off yeah. set-pieces. They lead by far. And it's it's coming from multiple people, too. So yeah. with Leuven out, we had the opportunity to see some depth in who takes the set-pieces. Aziel Jackson, Indiana Vasilev, Rasmus Alm. But it all started with what Edu Leuven was able to generate from that first match. And it's carried forward. And I, I would push back a little bit on the open play because we still had a one to one and a half XG in open play this last game. It's so true. Our, yeah. our, our overall, we might not have scored goals, but we were generating chances. We were threatening enough to allow ourselves to create those opportunities deep, earning set pieces, earning corners, being dangerous in the attacking third. And that's ultimately what you need to do. And we started it from day one. The only thing, I mean, we're going to look back on this that the ebbs and flows were very short-lived in the downs. The valleys were very short, and they were they were learning opportunities more than anything else because we don't go – this isn't a city team that's gone on losing streaks beyond a couple of games, and it's because they figure things out, whether it's depth, whether it's adjusting to the tactical, the opposition, whatever they need to, they figure it out, and it all started from that five-game win streak. And it, and it, it also feels like both of the skids were associated with – Klaus going down and Leuven going down. And they both responded over two or three matches where, okay, we're we're starting to put these pieces back together again. Yeah, and if you combine what Matt just talked about and what you just said about, you know, things that cause us to have trouble, uh, but also the way that City has been able to find goals in all phases of the game. Like we said, set pieces, of course. That's something we were talking about, how football's around the corner. And you hear all these NFL guys talking about how set pieces in soccer is something that's not utilized enough in the World Cup. You know, it's the World Cup's growing so much. You get these kind of comments. And I think St. Louis is has taken hold of that in MLS. That's but that's just one phase of the game. The defensive ability of our team at times, uh, Berkey of course and Nut as a secret weapon, uh, playing through the like Matt was saying, uh, playing through the middle and, and playing through the phases of the game, even possessing the ball at times and looking good. But yes, there's there's the problems, and then someone goes down. And the thing that makes me think this could be lasting is that 
there's always a response. There's a low time. It doesn't last long. Something else happens. Some adjustments are made tactically or some other phase of the game steps up and it just keeps happening. There keeps being success. As I mentioned with Matt on Sunday, the the emergence of Josh Yarrow, the emergence of AZL Jackson. I mean, Yarrow was... I mean, not even a, a footnote. I mean, he was. You, you've got to be able to like touch the field to be a footnote. He wasn't even that. It's like we knew Josh Yarrow was good because we saw him last year in, in MLS Next Pro. But it was just a matter of getting his opportunity. And it's not like he was getting snubbed by the coaches. There's just there's so much depth back there on that back line. He had to find an opportunity. He got it. He took advantage. He's playing incredibly right now. But it, it brings me to another question for you guys: Is it's something I keep going back to something Roman Berkey said a couple of weeks ago in the, and I think it was, it might have been the pre match for LAFC. And he had mentioned that, you know, we don't have any superstars per se on this club, but everybody collectively, it, it's such a strong group. And it makes me wonder, and I, I say this before, it's an expression I always screw up, but uh, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. I feel like it really applies here with this, guys. Yeah, and Berkey's also said that they don't have any bench players anymore. They just <laughs> yeah, have it's rotating right. starters. Yeah, yeah. Because at this point we've seen we've seen Berkey play every every match in MLS. But other than that, we've seen twelve players with double digit starts. And if you can have that discounting Akil Watts, Sam Adeneron, Aziel Jackson, and Josh Yarrow, who have carried us four out of the last five games leading into this break you're seeing not just the concept of depth, but you're seeing the next man up personified. And what it means for this team in the first half of the season, the first 23 games, has been if you lose a guy like Klaus, all you need is a couple games to figure things out. And you'll pull in Indiana Vasilev to the 10, and you can figure out how to score goals. If you lose Leuven, as bad as that loss is with Klaus, you get a couple games, you throw in those four guys – and suddenly you have an entirely new look to your attack and your defensive shape that gives you so many new and at the same time reminiscent weapons to what you've had earlier in the season. And and that's why I have so much faith in what we can do in the back half of the year, even if we don't make a move in the transfer window. Because we're no, we know, we've heard that we're not going to sign a big star. We're not going to splash cash to to bring in a new starter. We're looking at depth pieces because that's what we need at this point. We get Klaus back, we get Nilsson back. That's just icing on the cake because everything that this team has shown us so far is that you have two or three deep at any position, even if we don't realize it at the time. Hmm. We we theorized earlier in the year that we were thin at striker. We were thin at right back. We were thin at left back. And we just didn't know it at the time, yeah. but we had guys able and capable to step in and do the work. Akil Watts stepping in at right back was an epiphany because we had thought that that was, was a position we were going to target in the transfer window. Having Kyle Hebert being able to step over into left back and yeah. perform am, like admirably at left back, that's a revelation because now all of a sudden when you have a guy like Selmer Petro struggling and you have Johnny Nelson who, who goes in and out of form, you're able to put in Kyle Hebert to be rock solid at that position. You bring in Sam Denneron back from loan after he showcased himself with San Antonio. All these pieces are fitting in when you need them to and where you need them to. Yeah, and if you, you said it, we didn't know it at the time, but we were told, you know, if we're going to look back on the whole season, you have to mention the designated team comment by yep. Lutz Fennenstiel because he said it's not about the designated players. Yes, some guys are making more salary than others, but this is about a team effort. And it felt like coach speak kind of stuff at the time. And I didn't trust it immediately, but 
Um, you know, when Klaus went down, everyone was shoving it in our faces for, what, two or three games? Mm -hmm. And then it was over, right? And so we saw the guy step up, like Matt was saying. And so that was incredible. And and it's we're three players deep at the left-back position to yeah. what we thought the depth chart was in the beginning of the year. And we have reinforcements coming with Nilsson coming around the corner, injuries coming back from injury. So, you know... It's it's looking so good, and the designated team thing, as scary as that was, when those words came out of his mouth and it was printed everywhere in MLS press, as a fan, I was worried and scared that wasn't going to happen and we'd have to eat those words for the rest of the season. I'm sorry, it's true. I think you have to say that it's true this season. Bill Grooms, Matt Baker, it is our Soccer in the Lou roundtable as we look back on the first half for St. Louis City SC. I've got questions for the fellas when we come back, like... Team MVP so far. Is it necessarily a runaway for Leuven? What about favorite moment of the first half? And maybe who's been the biggest surprise? We'll touch on that when we come back. It is Soccer in the Lou, our first half roundtable on the Big 550 KTRS. It's Soccer in the Lou here on a Tuesday night. The Big 550 KTRS. Brendan Weesey joined in studio by the hosts of the Flyover Footy Podcast, Matt Baker, Phil Grooms. You hear that each and every match day on the weekend. You'll hear it Sunday this week getting you ready for the League's Cup. as It is next on the itinerary for City, but this gives us a little opportunity now to look back at the season that was. And I posed the question to the fellas. I gave them a little heads up earlier today, but um, a few questions here. And starting it off with the team MVP, because I do think it was probably a slam dunk, especially as we got into June before the injury for Edward Leuven. He was just playing out of his mind, but uh, we haven't seen him as much. He's played the, the sparingly the last two matches. Good to have him back, but has that injury. And obviously, back in April, we all would have said Klaus, but it's it's been a while for Klaus, so I don't think he's in the mix here, guys, but... Matt, I'll start with you. Where where are you going here, Team MVP, as we sit on July 18th? So we're sitting here with the first place St. Louis City team. I mentioned that we have 12 players with at least 10 starts. The guy who's only played in 18 matches of our 23, for me, it's Edu Leuven. I think before his injury, he was an MVP candidate. He started to climb those power rankings. He started to make a name for himself in MLS as the engine the guy who can be the box-to-box, -box. he can be the six, he can be the ten. He can be all over the field impacting the game in so many different ways. It was, as Leuven goes, so goes City. And and when we lost him, it was like Klaus. We lost ourselves for a period of time. And it wasn't until we ran in the reinforcements of AZ, Sam, Yarrow, and Akil that we figured out a different way to win without Leuven. But then Leuven comes back, and now, now he, his first game where he sees significant minutes and second game total – he is all of a sudden has a goal of the week. This is a guy yeah. who not only changes the way that City is able to play to their maximum, but he's such a high-level individual that MLS hasn't seen a player, I think, like him and what he's able to do for an expansion side uh, yet. And, and you've, there's been a bunch of expansion sides, but Leuven able to drive this expansion team in his 18 matches, his nine goals and assists, goal contributions. He, he is just that unique talent that can impact the ball in open play, but also when he's on the ball from a set piece, that's where magic happens. And his his set piece goal the other the other night is the epitome of that, where he was able to change the way the ball was going to go, change his mindset based on the mind games he's playing with the keeper. 
So he's playing the games within the games that are driving uh, St. Louis City's results. Phil? For me, I'm going to say Roman Berkey, and I can't disagree with anything Matt said. In fact, I think we were both kind of 1A, 1B anyway. But uh, for me, Roman Berkey, you could say that it's not a fair comp, but when you look at what Roman Berkey has done this season, I don't know if I can point to any mistakes, like all season, maybe half of a mistake at, at times. But, you know, a lot of it is asked of Leuven, and he's been all over the field, as, as, as Matt was saying. And so, but he's had the most challenges, I think, by being asked so much. But you could say that, on the other hand, Roman Berkey is being asked to lead this team. You can tell by his facial expressions and his screaming that the standard <laughs> is high and how serious he takes these games. In fact, I just saw him on the way here. I, I snuck a little peek at um, him doing well in the All-Star uh, Skills Challenge, and they were all having fun, laughing, and they asked Roman, they were like, what do you think of tonight? Uh, and the man was so serious about what he had just done. I mean, the man takes everything so seriously, and I think that can't be understated about his leadership with the team. But on top of that, his goal saving ability his positioning his distribution the the man comes way out of his goal people are talking about uh tyler miller at dc united being told to be out of his goal at all times the man's been chipped two or three times this season i would say roman burkey's doing exactly the same thing and not getting chipped and that i mean he's i just unfathomably perfect throughout game after game after game and i'm just really impressed with what he's been able to do i think if you guys would have said ah, you know what we got to go co-mvps right you got to go berkey and Luvin, <laughs> i would have been okay with that because it feels like you can make an argument in in two different phases of the game for each obviously their role completely different and equally as important to where i if you say like like you said, Phil, one one A, I I think it's probably splitting hairs when it comes right down to it, especially when you consider that Berkey's been that rock, the guy that's played every minute of every game and and, and been there, and and the leadership can't be discounted. I, I I don't know if I could say I would elevate him above either one of those two, but but Tim Parker does deserve some love here, and Absolutely. and and I think. Yeah. And on a couple of different moments where we've seen him uh, score a defensive goal, uh, or a, a, a defender scoring a goal, and he was, I think, uh, team of the match day again this past weekend because of his goal on the set piece this past weekend. But, Matt, I think you've brought it up to where he's been – team of the match day in situations where he doesn't score a goal, where he's the only defender that doesn't score a goal. He's team of the match day. And that shows you how good his presence back there on the back line has been. And you know, being the vice captain, uh, you know that that's a big reason why he is in that role. And he's one of the older guys on the team. And you feel like that experience, that knowledge, it's really paid off. And I think if I were to throw that vote out there, team MVP, I, I do think having some of those intangibles, real intangibles he brings to the pitch every week, I, I think that's a big part of the equation. Yes. Yeah. Well yeah, for Tim Parker especially, because he, he did win, uh, was on team of the match day against Toronto after not scoring a goal most recently. And the the ability for him to impact the entirety of our back line with his play and with his development of others, Lucas Bartlett would mm. not be where he is without Tim Parker. Yeah. I fully believe that. And Lucas Bartlett's helped win us games. And so what Tim Parker is able to do on the field as a leader 
in addition to his his blocking ability because he consistently leads in clearances and blocks in every single game can't go unnoticed and he's he's tops in, one of the tops in the league in headed goals and one of the tops in the league in defenders with goals so aside from being our vice captain captain and an all-star he's doing things on these specialized plays he's doing things defensively to save goals and he's being a part of this cohesive unit that's played so many games because for an MVP to me it, it's longevity as well so you have to be on the field consistently driving a lot of these wins and driving a lot of the successes. And that's why Roman Berkey, that's why Eddie Leuven and Mm -hmm. Tim Parker to me are like the top three because they're the ones on the field. They're the ones who are on that leadership council with Josh Yarrow who are playing and really dictating everything, the flow of play. They're they're driving all of the instructions to players. There was a moment in the other game uh, against against Miami where Indiana Vasilev and Jabulu Blome, they came at each other just a little bit I think it was a miscommunication on the field because of a formational shift and there was a defensive lapse. And so they had words very quickly. You didn't notice it on the broadcast. Tim Parker is the one who just walked up, said something for two seconds, hmm. and it was done. Yeah, That's the kind of leadership he brings to the team along with Roman Berkey. And they're the ones who take responsibility for the losses. It's Edu Leuven, Tim Parker, Roman Berkey who yeah. get trotted out by the club if they, if they lose and need to explain what happens. And he's doubled up his career goals am i right i mean he had three or two or three entering the season two entering the season season. (laughs) it's it's been an unbelievable run yeah he and he of course he scores the uh, first goal in the history of the franchise that uh, first match at austin and maybe that's part of this um next line of questioning guys best moment in the first half so far, Phil, I'll I'll give you the opportunity at, at first answer here. I, I think there's so many different possibilities. I, again, I feel like MVP. We were limited. This you could go any number of different ways. Yeah, I chose I chose the game against uh, Charlotte. You know, the first home game that yeah. we had, and it was just such a dramatic game, and it meant so much to me personally. And so, you know, to go through quickly what happened in this game, Enzo Capetti um, for Charlotte scored the first goal and it started getting a little scared. Yeah. And then the next goal was an own goal by Charlotte. So St. Louis didn't even score their own first home goal. Um, and then after that, it was a penalty kick which isn't through the run of play. And so I'm still kind of worried, like, what is this season? What is this game, even though St. <laughs> Louis is ahead? But then you get that moment, that Jao Klaus goal, that moment toward the end, and um, the look on his face, and especially the roar of the crowd. I didn't know what to expect of this crowd in St. Louis. I knew what St. Louis FC games were like, and that's what I wanted, right? I wanted to yeah. take that and make it bigger. And I was scared about how St. Louis as a crowd would perform in this game, if you will. And I felt like they were everything I wanted them to be and more. Just the veracity, the booze, the supporting supporting the local players and then the supporting of all the other players. That game for me just was the perfect first home game I got the best game I could have ever imagined. And for me, that was just the best best moment of, of the season so far. An outpouring of emotion that felt like it was bottled up for uh, for for a lifetime for some yeah. folks. I'm telling to, my to grandkids be, about that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely that a culmination. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 for it to end in a win and and like you said about the crowd, Phil, it if there were any questions, any doubts, those were immediately alleviated and it's it's been part of the show for people that are coming in here through st louis and watching this team and watching these games the crowd it's a part of the event and it's part of taking in what is 
in, in my mind, maybe the best professional sports facility in America right now. They're at City Park. It is just an absolute marvel and a gem, and uh, so many people have a reason to be uh, proud. And that night, uh, it uh, it lifted the cap, and uh, and it's been remarkable ever since. Matt, for you, is there uh, is there a different moment? Oh, that was a big moment. But for me, the biggest of the season is Sporting Kansas City. That and not just from a, a buildup of it either. So you had you had the the hoopla, you had the pomp and circumstance around it, you had the billboards, the soccer capital mm-hmm. discussion that went into it, the soccer city discussion that went into it. So the hype in the lead up to it, the week of was incredible. But let's take let's take it back to just the circumstances surrounding this particular match because outside of a rivalry match, this is a big deal for City this year. We had started off five and zero, and that was great. Everything was going well. Going into Sporting Kansas City, we had we were just one four and one, one win, four losses, one draw. After losing Joao Klaus, this was a rudderless team for a period of time. We couldn't figure out how to win. We had some success in the Open Cup, but we had just gotten bounced from the Open Cup by Chicago Fire in back-to-back losses. This was a, a defining moment, the Sporting Kansas City match coming into it, and we had a lot to prove to our our rivals to the West. We had a lot to prove to ourselves that we could win without Joao Klaus, and we finally did it. And we did it in style. This was the game where Indiana Vasilev debuted at the number 10. He was the attacking midfielder who found a way to drive everything. He found his own goal. He found his own uh, brace, in fact, in addition to Nico Joachini scoring and Edu Leuven having a PK. This was a, a monumental drubbing of, of our rivals to the West. And it was also the debut of Kyle Hebert at left back. So if you're looking at one game that kind of shifts everything and shifts the tone and allows you to see what... St. Louis City is capable of doing going forward in adapting and and thriving. I think this is the seminal game that you have to look to in the first half. Yeah, and and we talk about again rising to the occasion and a moment that all the talk. I mean, we had been talking about it seemingly for weeks leading up yeah. to that match where hey, this is coming. This is gonna be a big deal. Here's what Sporting KC's been doing, messing around with podcasts in St. Louis. This is uh, and and, and to, we knew that the crowd. The fans, the supporters cared immensely. But you wondered, was it going to be as big a deal for the for the players, for the team? And then it was a resounding yes. Yeah, I, I will never forget. I think it was this game where Indy said, St. Louis hates Kansas City, so so do I. <laughs> I love that. It was it, so they, good. They internalized the fan base yes. into themselves. That that moment from Indy was perfect. Yeah. Guys, I, my moment, and it, this is an individual moment, not necessarily a game was the first MLS goal for Mickey Perez mm-hmm. in uh, it's what has been maybe a month, month and a half yeah. now. And that moment, which was a, a pretty big moment during the game because the, the camera immediately pans over to Coach Bradley Carnell and it, and it appeared like a weight was lifted off his shoulders and, and it felt like it was the combination of, wow, this is huge for Mickey. At the same time, really big for the club because it kind of sealed the uh, the win. But the excitement that Mickey showed where he had – and because he was, if I remember correctly, it was right after his graduation. So all yeah. of the local TV and, and newspaper, Tom Timmerman, all of us, we were talking about Mickey based on, hey, graduates high school, big moment for him, St. Louis kid. And then for him to score that goal a mere two or three days later, it, it was like this two or three week – period of a, of a Miggy <laughs> celebration and for a young man that barely turned 18 to have 
those moments in his young life. I mean, and he's still a young man of a few words at uh, at this point. <laughs> but you got to imagine it was that had to just be an absolute rush for that young man. And and I think he's probably come down from it by now. But he had to be riding pretty high for a few weeks. And Bradley Carnell looked like a proud papa on the yeah. sidelines. Side yeah. He's one of those that one of those coaches, those youth coaches are like, I got I've got my guy doing this. Yeah. And that was an entirely entire weekend for Miggy Perez. The graduation two days later, the the goal scoring. He was Mr. St. Louis for a good period of time. Nobody yeah. could stop talking about him because why would you? Exactly. It's the homegrown story, it's the success, it's beating Vancouver in that game. Everything was just going right and it was it was a celebration. Yeah, the fans, I was going to say, the fans absolutely adored that moment as well. Yes. That was such a great choice. I, I thought it might be the, certainly was the loudest roar of that game. And because yes. he was a yeah. late, he was a late substitution, if I'm not mistaken, too, because the crowd went nuts when he came on the field. And then to score that goal, I think it's, I think it's one of the loudest moments in that building so far this year. And there have been a lot of loud ones, but yeah. that was right up there uh, near the very top. It's our, it's our Soccer in the Lou Roundtable. Looking back at the first half, Brendan see Matt Baker, Phil Grooms with you here in studio. You hear Matt and Phil on the Flyover Footy Podcast on the Big 550 KTRS or check out their show in its entirety on their podcast feed, and you can download that wherever you download your podcast. Let's take a look at our biggest surprise maybe when we come back and, and maybe a quick look on how the path – but the second half of the year could lead to a uh, maybe a breakthrough for this uh, this team into the MLS playoffs. We'll talk about it next on the Big 550 KTRS. Now more soccer in the Lou with Brendan Weesey and Matt Baker on the Big 550 KTRS. Brought to you by Royal Banks of Missouri and the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern. It is our... First half roundtable, soccer in the loop. Brendan Weesey, Phil Grooms, Matt Baker in studio, the host of the Flyover Footy podcast, and you can hear their preview of the Columbus Crew match that will begin the League's Cup on Sunday. It's a 6.30 Sunday night match. It's a schedule will be a little funky here over the next few weeks. We'll see if we've got a League's Cup to talk about for the next several weeks. But fellas, now, as we kind of tie a bow around this roundtable tonight and maybe quickly start to look ahead, but um, biggest surprise so far, Matt, for you in uh, the first half of the season. I got to go big, and I'm going with the system and the success the system has had. It's one thing to tout the designated team, like you said, Phil. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to say, you know, this is we, we have an identity, but it's another to prove it and prove it time and time again to the point where you're leading the league in goal differential. You have strung together three three-win streaks, you're able to beat some of the top teams in the league, and you're able to do it with so many different pieces. The plug-and-play approach as part of the system is one of the most miraculous things that is one of the true success stories that St. Louis City can hang their hat on. And for me, this was the hardest one for me of the night, and it's not far from what you said, Matt. I think the biggest surprise for me is the fact that St. Louis spent such a small amount and were able to do what they do. And so I think the biggest surprise to me was you know, I was looking at, does Lutz know what he's doing? Is he a crazy guy that got this position? You know, he was only at Dusseldorf for one year before he came to City. So he wasn't wasn't proven. Um, but I think we've seen that he's just like a mad magician. The man <laughs> knows how to pick players. And I don't think it's just him. I think he deserves a lot of credit. But the surprise of just the entire coaching staff to not only get the right players, but to train them up, keep them healthy. For the most part, it's been a pretty healthy season. 
and then also to use that depth, to use that rotation, and to adjust tactically just the entire, um, you know, the staff from the bottom to the top. I think the staff has been a big surprise to me, just the utmost quality from the bottom to the top. Guys, for me, it's the demeanor. It's confident, not cocky. There's hmm. a, an expectation to win, and... Like, like again, and they could walk around like uh, we know we're better than everybody, which obviously they don't walk around like that at all. But for a team, they had that almost right away. This wasn't something that just came about over the last few weeks. They had that from the get go. It's what it's. I think it's what allowed them to have the success they've had so far. Yeah, think about like when they get trot out for a loss. You hear Tim Parker, you hear Leuven, you hear Berkey say it wasn't good enough. Um, and then when you come against a team that is not doing well, they say things like, this isn't just going to be an easy win. We don't take anything for granted. We work every day. When Lutz said he was going to have a blue-collar team that fits the city of St. Louis, we got it. It's perfect. This is exactly what we wanted. Guys, we got to go. It's been a blast. Matt, Phil, we'll look forward to hearing Flavra Footy on Sunday afternoon to get you ready for the League's Cup here on your home for soccer in St. Louis, the Big 550 KTRS. And if you stuck with us till the end, we really appreciate it. This is Matt Baker back to close us out with a quick plug to like and subscribe if you're so inclined. Leave us a review because it really helps us out. And we'll be back recording our full Flyover footy on Thursday night and in your podcast feeds Friday morning to look at all of the news of the week, including transfer window discussions and, as Brendan said, a full preview of our upcoming match in Leagues Cup against the Columbus Crew, who will play this Sunday, July 23rd. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.